How should we live in these difficult times? And you notice in chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus begins by saying he's going to begin this parable to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Don't get discouraged. Don't quit. Don't give up. These are hard times. You're not just someone who's hearing small violins and you're having a pity party. These are hard times. Jesus understood that. He's not telling you, I can't believe you guys are a bunch of grumblers. He says, pray, don't faint. And then he gives this illustration. And, and what I hope you'll do tonight is you'll look for two things. First of all, always look for what our God is like. Because that's what really carries us through each day. Your pastor doesn't carry you through. I'm a failure. Each of us as sinners are failures, but our God is not. And so look at our God, look and see what you can learn about him. But then also, as we learn about our God, we also learn about ourselves. So as we look at this, first of all, I want you to notice in verses 1 through 8, Jesus tells this parable about an unjust person in authority who finally does the right thing. And if an unjust judge will respond in behalf of the lowest of the low, all right? It was a poor person, it was a woman, and it was a widowed woman. I mean, in that society back then, you just couldn't get any worse. Some of you have commented about the testimony I gave on Sunday night. I do want you to know that I get permission before I use someone's name in public But as I was sharing Sabrina's testimony, when Sabrina came and we were talking about the Lord and Sabrina said, look, my priest told me that I'm a sinner and I'm going to hell. And the only way you can really work your way out of that is to become a priest and earn your way out of it. And since I'm a lady, I can't do that, so I'm on my way to hell. And she and her mom were talking as they walked out of church. And she said, well, mom, I guess we're sinners and we're on our way to hell. And her mom said, well, I guess we are um, not able to be priests. We can't work our way out of this, so I guess we're going to hell. And they both looked at each other and said, I guess there's no reason to go back because we're going to hell regardless. Now, (coughs) they would view a woman at that point as subculture. Obviously, Christianity is what elevates each of us to what we should be. It's the reason why you look at, and I definitely am on a rabbit trail here, but you look at the religions across the seas. You look at Islam. How do they treat women like property? Why do they do that? Because only creator, only God, through salvation, teaches us how we ought to treat each other. So we look here, and Jesus gives the illustration of this widow of this woman this poor woman a widowed woman and an unjust judge and even he answers her needs and the point is this jesus said if an unjust judge is going to do that don't you think i'm going to take care of you when you ask remember what he was teaching him? he said don't faint pray And that's what we've met together tonight to do. We're going to pray together. And and the key point here about God is God is trustworthy. You can trust God. 
which gives me great hope. I get so excited when I get to tell people about God because I never have to worry about, are they going to catch God on a bad day? I never have to worry about, is, are, they going to, are they going to experience something about God that is not true? God is always the same. He couldn't change and still be holy. He's trustworthy. We go to the next set of verses, verses 9 through 17, and we see, beginning of verse 9, it says, And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And we see in the second part that God is just in that he offers salvation to all who come to him in humility. Why humility? It's the only way we can truly accept and understand God's gift of salvation. If we're always thinking that, well, yes, but, God, God is giving salvation, but it depends on me as well. It's like trying to sit on two chairs at the same time. All of a sudden, you know, you're still always thinking, yes, I received God's gift by, of grace, of, of God's grace by faith, but I have something to do with it as well. And Jesus, in his love for them, tells a parable. Now, a parable is a story that's not true. It could be true, but the point of the story is to teach a specific lesson. It was to teach religious people about the truth about themselves. Salvation only comes to those who recognize that they need to be delivered. And you notice the next part of the the next part of that, he talks about, you know, this just person and you've got this sinner. And the sinner is justified, but the righteous person, he just makes this statement, he says, he says um, that uh, he that humbleth himself shall be exalted, but he that exalteth himself shall be abased. And then he goes right into Jesus says, call the little children over here to me. And he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. What was he teaching? He was teaching that God is just. He offers salvation to everyone, and you don't have to have money to do this. Now, the Jews always view money as the blessing of God. You, you are specially blessed by God if you have finances, if you have houses, if you have lands. Jesus' point here was you don't obtain eternal life if you only obtain eternal life if you accept it and don't try to work for it. Children have no problem accepting help. Children are always very ready. You know, I remember being at Cindy's parents one time, and one of our children walked up to the grandparents and did this with their hand and said, I need something. Well, Grandpa just starts laughing and takes out his billfold and gives him a dollar or whatever. You know, <laughs> I need something. And I thought, why didn't I think of that? I don't know that Dad would have done that. Oh, yeah, Dad probably would have done that. But, you know, as adults, we're trying to work things out on our own. Now we come to verses 18 as he's been leading us through this thing about what do we know about God? You can trust God and salvation's available for everything because God is a just God. He doesn't say good for you, no, not good for you, good for you, not good for you. He doesn't go through that. He says it's available for everyone. If you have the faith as a child, you can go to heaven. 
Then we come to verse 18, and the context there we read, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now it's as if, as he's been listening to this, he's heard that God helps poor widows. God helps publicans. God accepts children. And he says, what would I need? Is there anything yet that I lack, that I would be a Christian? Now, it's going to start, they're going to talk about the Ten Commandments. So let's just quickly do a, a quick review of the Ten Commandments. Remember how we memorized how to do those? So if you, if, you, if you remember them, go ahead and do the motions. It'll really help you. If you don't remember them, I'm going to do them um, in sequence. So you know it's going to be one, two, three, four, five. All right, just so, you, just so you know. All right, so the first one is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. One God. Two, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Three, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. All right, five. Honor your father and your mother. Six, thou shalt not kill. All right. Seven, all right. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Right? All right. Eight, thou shalt not steal. Cut your thumbs off if you steal, okay? Nine, and you're in jail, okay? Nine, thou shalt not bear false witness. Some of you aren't doing this at all with me. I'm feeling a little embarrassed. All right. And ten, thou shalt not covet. All right. Now, Jesus is going to lay out... And he's going he's gonna to do this. He's going to mention six, seven, eight, nine, and go back to five. And you notice he's going to address the part of the Ten Commandments that deals with man's relationship to man. One through four deals with your relationship to God. Six through ten deals with your relationship to man. And, God, and Jesus looks at him and says, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Kill, adultery, steal, bear false witness, and honor your father and mother. He doesn't go to ten. It's fascinating to see how Jesus in his kindness shows the man he's not what he thinks that he is. Now notice with me, beginning at verse 18. He says, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is God. They would never call someone a good person. Now, we kind of get into that habit, you know, that, those are good people. Them, them good people over there in the South. You'd hear that often. Oh, that, they're just good teenagers. And, and I know what they're saying, but really it's not true. And Jesus immediately says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. And Jesus wasn't saying that he wasn't good. Jesus was wanting him to really recognize what he just said and would he admit that Jesus was God. How does he then demonstrate what the man really was thinking? He then goes right into it. He says, thou knowest that the commandments... Do not commit adultery, do not kill, seven, six, do not bear false witness, do not steal, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. We would say, I can't believe he would say that. 
But in reality, the Jews often would say, I kept these. And if you're looking externally, Jesus pulled back the curtain on the internal. But if you're looking externally, he was saying, oh yeah, we've always been taught to keep these. I've always kept these. And rather than arguing with him, you know what he does? He goes right to verse uh, 22. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. What was Jesus really putting his finger on? At the very beginning in verse 18 and 19, Jesus was putting his finger on, you really haven't honored God. Your relationship with God is not right, because he said, there's none good except God. Why do you call me good? That would have been a great time for the guy to say, because you are God. It almost appears that the guy was starting the good old boy club. You're good. What do I need to get to heaven? You're going to tell me I don't need to do anything to get into heaven. We're both good. High fives. We're out the door, right? But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus then says, okay, go and give all that you have to your poor and come and follow me. What was Jesus really zeroing in on? It's very easy for adults to trust their riches, and to really look down on the poor. The law said, love your neighbors yourself. The word that he uses here is, he says, give it to the poorest of the poor, the people who can't help themselves. What was he really saying? He was saying, let loose of this stuff and trust me to take care of you which is really at the heart of where salvation is, isn't it? Can I trust myself? Can I get myself to heaven? Can I do all that I need to do? And the answer is no. But you know what? As adults, we always struggle with this. We're always struggling with how can I get myself to heaven? How can I do this? How can I impact this? And Jesus, in his kind way, in his love, says, go and sell the things that you have. Give it to the poor. And, how does he say it? You shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Faith in God is how we get to heaven. He said, trust me. And we read, and when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was rich. You see, Jesus showed him that he wasn't genuine. Jesus wasn't being unkind. In fact, it was very loving. Because Jesus wanted him to know there is a way you can go to heaven. So, when Jesus saw that he was sorrowful, he said, How difficult, how hardly, how difficult shall they that have riches... Enter into the kingdom of God. For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a, a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. It's a very familiar section, and, and I've heard this described a number of different ways. Sometimes I've heard it said, Jesus was, was saying, um, it, the word that's used there is a pin. And to get a camel to go through the eye of a needle it's just a humorous statement. It's not possible. Some have said, well, really, this was 
the the big city gate that when it was closed you have to for a camel to get through the little door at night they have to unload that and that's a great illustration i don't think that the greek behind that follows through with that i don't think anybody's taught something wrong i just am trying to be genuine and say i don't know i think it's a really cool illustration i just don't know that it actually fits sorry um so um, some have said, really, the word isn't camel, really, the word is rope. And, I mean, it's the same thing. You can't get a rope through a needle. The whole point is, it's impossible. Now, remember, the disciples are listening to this, and he now addresses the disciples, and they say, well, if a rich person can't get into heaven, because, remember, rich people are blessed by God. If a rich person can't get into heaven, who can get into heaven? And they now come to the main point, and that is, it's not possible for men to get into heaven. But with God, it's possible. With God, all things are possible. Do you see the hope that Jesus is presenting? As you've looked at the whole book of Luke so far, and as we've gone through Luke, Luke, we are seeing God is compassionate. God loves you. God is concerned about you. God provides for you. And God is bringing us back to these characteristics about himself, and that his salvation is totally on him. And it's very tempting sometimes, even as we talk about, oh, it's, it's, salvation is by grace through faith, and yet we tend to try to push works back into it. It's totally of God, which is what gives us so much hope. I'm here, and I'm positive. I'm on my way to heaven because it has nothing to do with me. I accepted what Jesus Christ did for me, the perfect spotless lamb. The path to eternal life is what Jesus is describing here. Then we, he goes on in verse 28, and he, then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed you. Imagine that. Now, Jesus didn't tell these guys they had to sell their boats. And really, the only reason why we see this is, is that wealth is not wrong unless wealth is what you're depending on. The fishermen, for whatever reason, weren't depending on their nets and boats. Jesus didn't say get rid of them. We know that because the end of John, what did they do? They started fishing again. They still had their boats. They still had their nets. But the point is, when wealth has you, when wealth is the thing that you're depending on, Jesus says that, that won't work. So Peter says, we left all. We've totally followed you. And notice what Jesus says. Jesus says, Verily I, verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. What's he telling you? He says, I haven't forgotten you. I know where you are. I know what you're going through. Many of you have really gone through hard times to follow Christ. God has not forgotten you. He is very generous. He gives us people who love us, even when our own blood family, our, our, our spouse, our, you fill in the blank, even when they reject us, God says, I'm going to give it to you now, but I'm also going to give it to you for all eternity. What a great God. I hope tonight you're just encouraged as you think about God. Think about how good he is, how much he cares. Faith.
It's the path to eternal life. And it begins by focusing on the character of God.